Hi, I'm Morgan, and I'm the owner of Jade Beauty Co. in the Chicago suburbs. I have used Schedulicity for the last four years of my business, and I cannot say enough good things about it. Not only does it work perfect for my salon and all the features and options that they offer, but the way that Schedulicity has handled the COVID-19 crisis has just been amazing. And for salon owners or any small business It has really taken one less thing off my very heavy plate right now, and I cannot say enough good things. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, CEO and founder of Schedulicity, and we're proud to bring you this amazing podcast. Hey, hey. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my boy, Tony. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? Uh, nothing, man. How, uh, how's it's nice to be together. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? And, and it's funny because you, you see, we kind of talked about this a little earlier that, you know, states are starting to shut down again, but, uh, our state is doing pretty good, man. And yeah. so, uh, it, it's nice to be able to stay here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not kidding. Yeah. So this whole COVID thing is so crazy. It's, uh, it's definitely, uh, re- it's definitely changed our industry in a sense, right? Oh, yeah. 100%, man. I mean, it's, it's going to take a long time to get it back to where it was, but you know what? We, uh, we're a bunch of resilient people and, uh, you know what I mean? Together as a community and, uh, we, we can make it happen, brother. That's it, man. So, uh, today I, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to bring on our guests. We, uh, a little backstory is we actually, uh, met this artist um last year BarbaraCon, and you New met York. this artist I, yeah, 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 you yeah. left me yeah, yeah no 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 you like, oh, uh, I gotta go no, yeah 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 you you flaked out on that one but it was okay because we had Maddie Conrad sitting in your chair that weekend so it was right. all right you know <laughs> we love Maddie well, I got my job. <laughs> <laughs> well you know what Maddie did Maddie started his own podcast right. he, had, he had such a good time in Tony's chair right. he started his own podcast well, so shout out to Maddie and Maddie uh, Tony Conrad. <laughs> That's exactly right. So he, uh, yeah, he started his own podcast called uh, WTF Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Um, if you haven't heard Maddie on a podcast, his podcast is absolutely uh, awesome. And you know, yeah, yeah Maddie's a speaking of dope guys. Speaking of dope guys, and so our guest today, uh, again, we met him at, at, at BarberCon. Um, he was introduced to us by Presley Poe. So we were hanging out with Presley, and then Presley. Uh, Introduced us to Mr. Rory Savajan. Oh, um, yeah, well, that's why I was doing the drum yeah, roll. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> and you knew I was going to mess it up, yeah. right? So, on a roll. so we met, so we met, stop, stop. As soon as you say that, you know, I'm going to mess up. Um, so, yeah, so we met Rory there. Uh, super dynamic dude. Um, I was really, really happy to, uh, to, to meet him. And it, and I actually thought like he was like a Connecticut, like New York, New Jersey guy, but apparently he lives, uh, you know, not too far from us, about, you know, 25 minutes from yeah, us. He lives so. in our backyard, man. You know, yeah. just cause he has that kind of like swag, that kind of character, kind of uh-huh. that coolness. He's a cool dude. Yeah. He's definitely a cool dude. And, you know, we were actually, we were scheduled to do a live podcast with him, um, at Sharon's place at, at, uh, Palm Beach of the Temple. Um, literally we got shut down because of COVID. We were going to do a live one and then at the school. And then, you know, I think Roy was going to do some classes for Sharon at the school. So, you know, I'm, I feel the most for those students that didn't get to, uh, enjoy the Rory experience at the right. temple. But, but when he finally makes it to the school, instead of doing a podcast, we'll do dinner. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go, we'll go, we'll, we'll go have lunch or coffee or something with him. So, um, anyways, dude, uh, super interesting guy, uh, super interesting story. Um, I think we just get in. What do you think? That's good. So, Mr. Rory Savajan, got it again. <laughs> Welcome Boom. to your day off. <laughs> Welcome, buddy, man. I'm impressed, man. I'm impressed. You got the name down good, man. Uh, uh, it's so funny. Everybody has has struggles with the name, uh, but people call me Faded Ink, too. So, you know, it's one of those things that, I, I don't know, I, Rory S. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, I actually forgot that. I apologize that I didn't give you your, your, your proper introduction. Yeah, so, uh, so Rory, if you if you follow him, um, if you... You can follow him on Instagram at Faded Inc., right? So it's just F A D E D I N C, right? 
That's right. Yeah, Faded Ink is uh, that's the Instagram handle. That's that's the brand, you know. And uh, Rory's the hard name. Savajan's the hard part of the last name. <laughs> You're faded not for Corey. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna ask yeah. thing at least twice, right? <laughs> so Rory, yeah, man. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Ah, uh, man, I'm I'm from Jersey. I I, re- I live in Northern Virginia right now, but I was born in New Jersey, uh, Teaneck, New Jersey, uh, North Jersey, and so uh, I was, you know, right outside of Manhattan, New York. That's northern part. You know, a lot of guys in Jersey down by Philly. You know, they're in the south, but I was right outside of New York in northern Jersey. All right, cool. So you were right. He's from New Jersey. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I can't hide that. I've, I, you know, maybe I've lost a little bit of my accent, but it, I I really can't hide it, you know. And I'm down in Virginia, which is definitely not New York, you know, not New Jersey. So. <laughs> no, no, it definitely isn't. Is it, is it close to Hoboken? What's right, right outside of it? I would say about 30, 30, 35 minutes north of Hoboken. Yeah. Okay. Not I didn't too realize far. New Jersey went 30 minutes north of Hoboken. But you were back <laughs> in New York at that point. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just on the other side of the Hudson River, right? So, you know, you got Manhattan, the Bronx, Uptown, all of that. You know, Yonkers, Westchester, that's more north towards Connecticut and White Plains. And you go all the way down through Manhattan, lower Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and, you know, then Staten Island. Jersey's on the on the west side of that. So it's like on the opposite like- side. I used to live in like Perth Amboy, so I was about I don't know I was about thirty minutes south of of, of Manhattan. So yeah, uh, the Amboys down there by the shore, Jersey Shore, you know Wildwood, yeah, yeah. Seaside, Seaside Heights. Yeah, that's exactly. I was in that I was in that area. I had no idea that Seaside Heights was uh, you know so uh, influenced. I think is the best word. <laughs> there was a the lot same of influence thing. there. Ocean City, Seaside Heights, Wildwood. Mm-hmm. Virginia Beach, it's all the same kind of boardwalk, you know, beach areas, you know. It's right. Pretty cool. It's pretty cool, man. It, I, I I like that area. I just I liked it because of of you know how close it was to Manhattan and stuff. So that was a that was pretty cool. How did you um how did you find the industry? How'd you get into it? Uh so I started in the kitchen. Uh, fourteen years old. My aunt Carol, she bought a set of clippers for my cousin Anthony, and I stole uh-huh. them. Um, I stole, I stole those clippers and I cut him and his two brothers with him, uh, to pay him off. Uh, he wasn't going to use them. I was the artist. I was older, you know, at the time. And, uh, I fell in love with that. My grandfather used to take me to the barbershop when I was a kid and we would go, it was a routine that him and I would do. You know, I didn't, I didn't go with my dad. My dad was, you know, an outlaw biker. He he wasn't much in the scene. And so my grandfather was my father and I looked up to him and he took me to the barbershop. And I would sit there. It wasn't like you had an appointment. I would sit there and I'd watch people come in and out and they would look one way and completely change and transform in that little time that they were in the chair. So I would sit there and watch. Uh, Before it was my turn, many people get cut. And my grandfather, he was an immigrant from Ireland. You know, he came over in the 70s. He was a a sailor, a, a merchant marine. Uh brought the family over to Jersey mm-hmm. after they first landed in New York. And then by the time I was born, it was, they were already in New Jersey. And so he would take me to get haircuts. Cause I guess he wore his hair really short his whole life. And then with me uh, being the youngest and, you know, he took to me, my uncles during that time, they had all long hair and stuff. Like you're talking, you know, seventies, eighties, they had all longer hairstyles, but I was a kid. So, you know, whenever I would get a haircut, you know, my grandfather would take me with him and he took me to this little old Italian barbershop called Gregory's and the owner didn't even really speak English. And you know, the little rubber stopper between the scissors, he didn't have that. So all you heard was his scissors clacking, you know, when he would cut hair and his hand wouldn't stop moving. Even when he wasn't uh, cutting somebody's hair, he had it down by his side, you would hear him clicking it. So I was like, just drawn in by all of these little things, you know? And I would cut friends and family, neighbors, uh, wasn't really good. Didn't have any education at that point. Wasn't licensed. I knew in New Jersey, a lot of barbers didn't have licenses. I used to get my hair cut by a guy in his garage. You know, I, I used right. to get my hair cut, you know, by, uh, barbershops where maybe one guy had a license and like, you know, seven other guys there didn't, you know, and I, it wasn't, it wasn't something that 
was easily attained at that time. You had to go to beauty school. You, it wasn't, it was one license. You had the cosmetology license. So you had to go to beauty school. Nobody was really checking. If somebody did check, you know, people would get fined. And so I actually uh, would cut hair with no license for over 11 years from, from the mm. time I started in 93, you know, for over a decade. And anytime somebody would walk into the barbershop that looked like state board, I would sit down and I would act like I wasn't getting a haircut. I was just waiting there to get a haircut. I wasn't cutting anybody. And then if they left, I'd go back to cutting. And one day they did come in and they find three of the guys that worked with me in my shop, $250 fine, first offense. Now, if you got caught twice, it was a $1,000 fine and up to 30 days in jail. What? So yes, you, you could go to jail for cutting hair, man. If you don't have a license and you're out there, you know, getting get, getting fined multiple times, right? So that's, when that I, happened, I guess that's that's more for yeah. public safety, right? For health. <laughs> I mean, in a sense, uh, you know, I guess the reason why they're checking is to make sure you're following uh, protocol, right? Sort of like this whole COVID thing. I mean, you're going to make sure your your sanitation's right. You're you're not getting yeah. people sick. Yeah. No, you got to be a professional. You, you you know, I think a lot of states, they had barber programs and barber licenses. I think New Jersey at that time didn't. And so a lot of, a lot of uh, barbers didn't have education, didn't have any opportunity for that. But at the same time, yeah, sanitation was, may, may not have happened the way it should. You know, maybe it was really bad. <laughs> Customer service might not have been there either, right? Like there's a lot of... <laughs> There was a lot of things that 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 I, I witnessed in in those those years, right? Uh, by the time I was seventeen, I left to the Navy, and in the military they teach you how to pay attention to detail, but there's zero detail in the haircuts. It's uh, more maintenance, no real style, no blend. It's in and out, you know. So I really disliked how the military barbers cut. I I wasn't a barber in the Navy. Uh, I had a top secret clearance. I dealt with intelligence and um, communications. And so when I wasn't working, I would actually find myself in the bathrooms cutting other, you know, guys on my ship. Next thing you know, I'm cutting a lot of people on my ship. Next thing you know, the ship's barber finds out about me and that I'm cutting all these guys on the ship. And here I am thinking he's going to be upset. He wasn't. He handed me the keys to the barbershop. And I would cut hair on board the ship in the barbershop to the point where I was cutting even the captain of my ship in the barbershop. And it wow. wasn't my job. It was, it was crazy. And I was only stationed there for about a year and a half. It was, it was really, really crazy. Uh, they were all bummed you know. out when he got, uh, when he got stationed. <laughs> so how does that work? Though? How does that work when you're, you know, do you pay the barber you pay on the ship? Uh, it's free. But you should tip the barber. I don't know how it is now. Back when I was enlisted, it was free. Uh, it was, you know, maybe you paid $5. I don't remember ever paying for haircuts. I remember just tipping. Uh, so there was but, opportunity but not being there. your job, but not being your job. Did, oh, did I got paid. Yeah, they were paying me. Saying. Oh, yeah, I got, I, I, got, I got paid. They paid me. They took care of in some way, shape, or form, whether it was through some trading or you know, yeah. some sort of bartering, you know, uh, cash. <laughs> yeah. You know, Rory, I was in the Navy as well. And I was, I was stationed aboard a ship. And, and what a lot of people don't understand is that, um, and I, I can only speak about ship life, but on ship life, like it's a barter system, right? Yeah. Like, like you do for yeah. me and I do for you, you know, so oh, yeah. you might get an extra large cupcake or something, you know, if, if <laughs> mess guy that you hook up the mess boys, you know, but, um, I worked in medical, so I had lots of favors coming my way. Yeah. You switch, switch, uh, you know, uh, you know, slots with people and things like that. And, uh, but I learned that, you know, it was crazy. Like in New Jersey, when I cut hair, I, I cut very short hair, a lot of lineups, very, very tight fades in the military. I got to work with a different type of hair, meaning every type of hair. When yeah. I was in, in my neighborhood growing up, I was specific to like mostly straighter hair, uh, some curlier hair, but mostly straighter hair, mostly shorter styles. In the military, it was crazy because now I'm working on every type of hair, curly hair, straight hair. I had one guy that blew my mind, and it, it actually was one of the first times I understood more about haircutting with scissors and how it can affect a haircut and how, you, how it's deceiving. 
this, you know, and being in the Navy regulation, your hair can't be longer than your business card, uh, your ID card, right? And this guy had hair that came from his front hairline all the way down past his chin. And I was like, how do you get away with that? He would just slick it straight back and he would fade the very bottom of the sides. So his hair didn't look like a military haircut when it was all messy and down. But when, it, when he was in uniform and he had to be in regulation, you couldn't tell how long it was because he had it slicked straight back. Right. And, uh, and I, I, that was one of the first moments that, like when I was in the Navy that I realized like how it can be deceiving, how, how it's not always what it seems with hair. You can, you can hide things. You can do different kind of things with uh, length and, and just silhouettes and shapes. You know, that was one of the first things that I noticed. Uh, got out of the Navy used my GI bill to pay for uh, hair school, went to beauty school, went to Paul Mitchell. And it was because those guys had got in New fined. Jersey? Did you yeah. go to Paul Mitchell, New Jersey? Parisian Beauty Academy in New Jersey. Uh, great school, great owners. Uh, I didn't know what I was getting into. I was so naive to the industry in general. Uh, worked illegally. Like I said, yeah, I was barbering in the military, but it wasn't my job. Still no license. You know, it was all, all you know, I don't know what you would say, uh, illegal, you know, and state board came. I wasn't there the day that they came, but three of the barbers got fined, $250 fine. And I decided the owner had an application to Parisian Beauty Academy. And I was like, oh man, I'll go with you. We'll, we'll take class together. That'll be cool. And he never did. I ended up showing up. He never showed up. And there was like three other guys in the entire school, uh, People from the outside, you know, friends that I grew up with that were ignorant were like, oh, that's gay. You're going to beauty school. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, let's do some easy math. There's four guys in the entire school. There's almost 200 girls. I go, I don't, I, I don't know if I cracked the Da Vinci code or if I know something that nobody else knows, but I thought I was doing pretty good at that point. And I was a single, <laughs> young, single, single young guy. I was like, this is going to suck because I'm learning all this beauty stuff, but I'm in school with a bunch of girls. I thought that was great. You know, I was single. I had a great time in beauty school. Trust me. Um, and it was like two weeks in and I started to realize, you know, I was never a good student. I was a terrible student. You can ask Harry and Penny at Parisian. I was not the greatest student. You know, I, I, I always, I always wore my snapback hats. I had all these different hats on all the time. You're not allowed to wear hats. We had uniforms, uh, name tags, all of that. You know, all I cared about was clocking hours, getting out of there, going back to work. And I had an ignorant mentality. I missed out on a lot of great education at that point. You know, I didn't take advantage of all the guest artists and all the things that the learning leaders there had to offer. Right. I realized all of this after the fact, but about a month into school, they had a contest called Beacon and Beacon was for all beauty schools. It wasn't just Paul Mitchell brand specific. And so it took a hunt that year. It was 2004, or 2005, and they held it in San Francisco and they picked about 150 applicants out of the entire U.S. I was the only barber that got picked. Wow. I made a video. Uh, I looked up to a lot of barbers in my neighborhood and I made a video featuring them and I submitted that because the question on the application was, why do you want to be in the industry, the hair industry? Why do you want to be in the hair industry, right? <laughs> and, and so to me, I was like, well, I looked up to these barbers, you know, it was like where I lived in New Jersey was like, you looked up to, maybe you looked up to people that were doing illegal things that had nice things that, that were cool and had girls and whatever as role models. Maybe you looked up to the athletes, the people that got scholarships and went on to do great things. Uh, I looked up to the barbers. I looked up to barbers because those barbers had money, they had nice cars. They were clean. You know, they took care of people. They knew everybody. Everybody went to them. It was a community. I looked up to them. And so I made a video featuring them. One of the barbers in the video who was my barber uh, cuts Jay-Z's hair. And his name's Johnny. And he was the first one that I seen using shears and straight razor, like the way he did it. And so I was fascinated by him. I looked up to him. And so I featured him in his barbershop and some other barbers from my area. And Beacon was the contest that chose that video. And they played it on a screen with a bunch of people. And at that year, I didn't know all these icons. I had no clue. 
as right. to like who Vidal Sassoon was or who, you know, Vivian was or Robert Cromines or all these top people in our industry at the time, Gino Stampora, right? I uh, flew out to San Francisco. This is the first time I really left New Jersey outside of the Navy. And, but I'm doing it through my industry, my craft, right? And I'm around people that were like, the future generation of the hair industry at the time. And a lot, it was crazy. Like it was mostly stylists. I was the only barber. So I felt alienated because it wasn't geared towards barbering at all at that time. You know, now it's more mixed. Now that you have barber and beauty all over the place. Now you have brands for barbers that are really like, you know, showcasing barbers. But at that time, I, I, I want you to know it wasn't like that. It was all beauty. Right. And so I stood out. You know, it was different. And I was I was at the hotel. I'll never forget. I love telling the story. I'll never forget. I was at the hotel lobby bar. I was looking across from where we were staying, and I seen this gentleman wearing a bright, high-vis, camouflage, orange, neon orange jumpsuit. And he was standing next to another gentleman that had, like, a nice little, like, uh, ascot tie around his neck and a suit, shorter gentleman. Both older guys, but they look cool. So I was like, I got to talk to these guys. I got to say what's up. So they look cool. Like they're just, they look, they're like odd looking. Right. And so I went over and I started talking to them and we were just talking about the clothing and whatnot. Didn't really have any hair, hair conversations at all. I had no idea who they were. And I knew they were there for some sort of hair thing, but I didn't know what level. Right. Right. So I, I say, all right, see you later. We end up, you know, going into the auditorium, this big symposium auditorium. I'm sitting in the front row. There's 150 Beacon students from all over the country. And there's their outcomes, Vidal Sassoon and Christian. And they're cutting this big Lifetime Achievement Award cake. And they're there, you know, talking to everybody. And I, I crapped my pants. I couldn't believe that I, I had literally just spoke to both these guys. Said zero about hair. Didn't even know who they were. And I was speaking to like the Michael Jordan of hair in, in, in our, like, it, it, it freaked me out. It was like so eye opening for me. I never understood how beautiful and how big the beauty industry was. I had no idea about this. I was right. so naive at this point. Okay. I, rookie, rookie year. Right. And so, you know, they do, they tell their story. They cut the cake. I, I meet all these great people. And for, and I just couldn't understand, like, you know, that was the funny thing is like, they were so genuine to me in that moment. And they were yeah. talking to me in that moment. And I had no, idea, and it wasn't like I ruined that moment by like talking all fan, like hair stuff to them. It was crazy, man. To have a real conversation with Vidal Sassoon, but have it have nothing to do about him or his, or the hair. It was the weirdest thing. I told Eden, his daughter about that. Um, it was just game changer for me. Cause here I am barber from New Jersey, not knowing much. And I got, I got that, that beautiful moment with them. Christian, the other guy was mm -hmm. accredited that day. Uh, they showed these videos, montage videos of like different cuts and things that they've done in their life. And he was the first, he was accredited as being the first stylist or hairdresser to cut women's hair with clippers and do these really? really really artistic short styles yeah and that's what i love that's that's like the my one of my favorite things to do is to cut these shorter styles on women and to to make it aggressive or make it feminine or softer or conservative having that range is is right. something that i really i really fell in love with uh, i went back to beauty school hey, and you know Roy, you know what's interesting is that you were telling the Vidal Sassoon story and we have a friend who has a very, very, very similar story with Vidal, about Vidal Sassoon. Um, our friend, uh, I mean, someday he's going to come on the podcast and hopefully tell the story. Mr. Gerard, yeah, so, calling you out. Yeah, Gerard, when are you coming on the podcast? But he had a very <laughs> similar story. He's a, um, he's a uh, Chelsea football fan, and, um, and he used to see Vidal at all the games. So one day wow. he was backstage at a hair show, and, and, and Vidal walked by, and, and Gerard just yelled out, you know, like, Chelsea football. And then, like, Vidal stopped, and... He said that they talked about uh, about Chelsea football for like 30 minutes. And when he left, he was like, I can't believe I just had 30 minutes conversation with Vidal and hair never came up. You know, right. you know Gerard? Do you know Gerard? Kim? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So 
So we so help us shout him out and have him come on the podcast because he's been he's literally boy, <laughs> he's literally the very, very first person we asked to come on the podcast, and he has yet to come on the podcast. Gerard. Oh, uh, that's that's yeah, you gotta you gotta make that happen, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's kinda cool that now you when you reflect, you're like, you know what I mean? Like you, you know, I could, as I'm watching you tell the story, I can just see how much it means to you now, but you know, without even realizing you know, when you were going through that, what, what that really meant. Yeah. No, yeah. You know, you look back, you do do this as long as I've been doing it. I'm going on what, 28 years now. And you look back at those key moments, those, those, those pivotal moments, those turning points, right. Things that stood out when you look back at all the things that you've been through and how, how it affected you or influenced you. Right. Because I feel like I would, if I never went to Paul Mitchell, and I never went to Beacon. I don't think I'd be doing, I don't think I'd be in Virginia. I don't think I'd be doing everything that I'm doing now. I think I would be in New Jersey, probably in the same place that I was and never had had that trajectory, never, never explored outside of what I knew, you know? So did you win Beacon? Yeah. I didn't win the whole thing, but I, I wasn't like, like it was throughout the country. They selected 150 Beacon winners. And oh, so God. out of the out of the applicants there was probably thousands, right? Right. I was the only I was the only barber that year. I'm sure now I, they they still do it every year in which I uh the Pro Beauty Association was doing it. Uh I think they're doing it now. I think the Salon Association was what it was called back then. Uh mm-hmm. I came out of that fired up. You know you 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 fill up that reservoir, you you come back with energy and I turned it into learning how to do color, learning how to braid hair, you know, learning all these things back at school. You know, that's a good point Uh, that you bring up. And like, as an industry, I can't, I I can't, if you're a student or if you're young in this industry, you should be entering these contests because even if you don't win, there's such a huge gain out of that. I mean, Jamie Wiley said that, you know, the first time that she, uh, she entered Naha that, you know, it was brutal, but she learned so much along the way that her work got better and better and better. And now, and now she's one of those, like, she gets nominated every year kind of thing. And, you know, she's not your competition when you, or, or when you enter these competitions, your competition isn't the other people. Really, the, really the, uh, the competition is with yourself. And can you, can you improve every year? And I mean, to Rory's point, and I know this for, we've talked to a few people where this is the case. Like, you, you do something like Beacon, you get recognized, and, and, and that puts that mojo back in. I mean, if, 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 if you feel like flattening your career, you know, go join a contest because that'll put a little uh, that'll put a flame, a little flame up your butt. Yeah. Uh, and social media is another huge thing that wasn't around back then. And now with social media, you know, you you can do many things with it. I think people have a bad taste in their mouth about social media for a lot of uh, good, you know, just things. But you also do understand that social media for me, I look at it as a tool. It's a tool. So what are you doing with that tool? Is that tool something that's giving you inspiration? Is that tool giving, is that something where you get an outlet where you, you find creativity and you put out and showcase your work? You know, that, those are the two main things I think uh, social media is, is, is doing for our industry like never before. So we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have, we had books that you would put pictures in. You know, we had lookbooks, right? <laughs> right and, yeah. and so we would take photos of our work. I submitted to Naha when I was a student. You know, I was nowhere, anywhere near close to, to hitting that mark. Like it was like, <laughs> right. a, like a, such a shot in the dark as a student. You know, when I look at the winners and like past winners and people that have put out some amazing editorial, I've never had that strong editorial strength. Uh, I think that's something that's a skill set in itself. I, I get questions a lot of times about specific things in our industry. And I think people think that they're all one thing. And I think they're not. I think there are many different things that you have to, to sharpen, just like, you know, you would sharpen a sword. You know, it's it's the same thing for photos, same thing for, you know, even doing what you, you guys do, the podcast, right? That not anybody can just get up there and talk on a microphone and have a good conversation and keep it on course and quarterback it and have really good moments come out of, you know, that conversation. You mentioned it earlier. You said, you know, you would still be in Jersey if, if you know what I mean, if you didn't do Beacon and all these things and, and had these experiences. 
but here you are, you know, you're in Northern Virginia. Tell us that journey. How did you get to Northern Virginia? So went to school in Parisian, got out. I uh, worked in a salon for a few weeks. Actually, a great guy, a friend of mine, Colin Caruso, he's uh, Paul Mitchell's color director. And at the time, you know, he was somebody that, you know, I looked up to. He opened a salon in Hoboken. I ended up leaving barbering and working as an apprentice in his salon in Hoboken. And it was a challenge, man, driving 45 minutes south, you know, street parking, feeding the meter, you know, not having any money coming in because you're an assistant at that that point, you know, doing the grunt work with sweeping and, and, you know, ripping foils and blow drying long lengths of hair. My first day, we, this, this lady, young girl came in and my, he pulled me out of my comfort zone. He pulled me out of my, my short hair bubble. And he had me blow dry. He had beautiful salon. Blow dryers came down from the ceiling, all white furniture, leather couches, floating fish tank. This girl has super long hair past her waist. I have to blow dry it. I'm a short hair guy. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, me and blow dryers don't mix. I'm, I'm struggling. Another stylist came, helped me out. Ended up, I ended up quitting. I ended up there. for. I was a few weeks there. I quit, went back to the barbershop. Uh, started cutting guys that were hitting me up. You know, I, I was, it was a mistake in a sense. I don't regret it. You know, it was a good experience, but uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I was too much, I, I was too much of a barber at that point, And I was too ignorant to, to, to what I know now to really take advantage of, of, you know, what Colin was doing at that time in Karoo and mm-hmm. still is to this day. So I ended up quitting going back. I bounced around. Right, so when you said, when you said it was a mistake, was it a mistake working there or was it a mistake quitting? It was a mistake quitting. I think I, sh- I think I should have tried harder. I think I should have went harder and really dove deeper with him and, and with the color world and the longer hair world. Right. Uh, at, at least I, I think that way now, because, you know, years later, all these things have transpired. So to, to answer you, you Tony, I, I moved down to Virginia because I was fed up with New Jersey. I wanted to get change the scene. And my friend who was enlisted with me in the Navy relocated in Virginia. And he was living in Maryland, uh, in Columbia, Maryland. That was the first place I lived. Went to Columbia, Maryland, crashed with him for a little bit. Uh, was shopping my resume and like, you know, trying to get a job, you know, even at Cartoon Cuts. They have these places in the mall called Cartoon Cuts and they wouldn't even hire me. You know, they, they you know, it was it, imagine. Right. And so I go in, I try to get a job in the mall in Columbia, Maryland. There was Cartoon Cuts. Wouldn't they didn't even like look at me twice filled that application it didn't really it was very like whatever you know uh i had a top secret clearance for the navy so i was trying to become a civilian contractor and work for a company uh called saic and and, you know that's what he did and so while i was waiting for my clearance to reactivate and shop my resume and, and you know see what kind of deal i would get with this company i ended up i was shopping in tyson's corner mall now this is a good part of the story i'm walking around the mall I see the Paul Mitchell sign. Okay, I'm in, and now I'm down here. I see the Paul Mitchell sign. I said, let me go buy some shampoo. I walk inside. It's a beauty school. Brand new facility, corporate school. Beautiful, right? Looks like a high-end salon. Right away, the admissions leader sees me. She's like, I got one. She runs up on me and grabs me, gives me a tour, shows me around the whole school. At the end of the tour, she says to me, Rory, what do you think about our school? I said, man. It's a lot nicer than the school that I graduated from. She said, what do you mean? I said, I graduated from Paul Mitchell in New Jersey. She said, well, what do you do? I was like, I'm a barber. (laughs) She was like, you're a barber. I was like, yeah, but I'm driving a forklift loading trucks right now, waiting for my clearance, told her the whole nine. And she's like, well, we don't have anybody here that can teach men's cutting and short hair, barbering. Would you like to come in and do a demo for us? So this was in 2006. I walk in on a Monday morning, never had taught a class before in my life. I pulled up one of the future professionals on stage and they went crazy. It was surreal. I cut his hair. It was the first time I had ever done that. They offered me a job if I wanted to pursue becoming an educator, a learning leader within Paul Mitchell. I already had graduated from Paul Mitchell. I used my GI Bill to pay for it. And so I had that homegrown. I knew the culture. I knew the systems. Right, right, right. right. And so. So I filled the void in that school 
because they didn't have someone who could do barbering and short hair. And I didn't have enough hours. I only had 1,200 hours from New Jersey. In Virginia, it's 1,500. So I had to do another 300 hours, take my written and practical, get my license. Then I could become an educator at Paul Mitchell and go through their program, get an instructor license, take the test, go through all the levels of certification for Paul Mitchell. And, you know, that was completely out of my comfort zone, out of my bubble. Like I, I, so did I, you do your 300 hours at the Paul Mitchell school? I did. I did. So were you instructing too? Were you like a student instructor or you had to actually, you had to go back to like, you know, wrapping I would, perm rods? No, I would clock in and mm-hmm. I would work and then I would clock out and I would clock back in as a student and I got 300 hours and then I took the test. And what was great, it was humbling because, you know, here I am working, but I'm also a student at the same time. Here I am a, a graduate, but I'm also now, you know, more senior trying to help people understand that. So I, I definitely was that person in the school that could put out fires. Definitely that person in the school that could, could um, you know, go to war for the students, but also go to war for the teachers, you know. Uh, and it was a unique. Exactly. That was that bridge. Yeah. And, and, and I also was different because I was from out of state. I was from New Jersey and I was a male and I was a barber, you know, so it was, it was definitely different for me completely all around. And I think it was, it was a key component into, into, you know, why we did so well and, and, you know, why we were able to, it was a dynamic kind of scenario, you know? It's funny. I'm seeing uh, it. You're going having lunch with all the students because you're a student. Then you're going out and having dinner with all the instructors because you're an instructor. <laughs> so you're dipping in both worlds. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's it's a little divided. Sometimes it can be, you know, us versus them kind of thing. You know, I, I definitely could relate because I wasn't a good future professional. I wasn't a good student. And so I could definitely relate to that side of it. But I also, you know, became a professional, was exposed to all these things, took my industry serious, you know invested in tools, invested in classes, you know, did the, did these kind of events, you know, I volunteered for all the different fundraisers and things that they did in the school. I was heavily active in the school, you know, as a whole. So, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. My time there, I did that. I got to meet a lot of great people, uh, became friends with a lot of great people, you know, got to see more of our industry, learn the business, you know, front end and back end. Right. Uh, I got to, to really, you know, have that, that balance of, you know, having solid education, but also still being inspired to, to do more, you know, understanding all the different moving parts of the beauty industry, the salon industry, because I, I went in, I went into sales and operations and I, I ran the desk and did. I was the guy who brought in all the inventory and stocked all the shelves. And, you know, I was the guy that would, if the if there was an unhappy customer, somebody, you know, because you got to remember it's a beauty school. So they're, they're signing waivers to get their hair worked on by students. And they're paying a reduced price point, but they're not always satisfied. You know, maybe they have some crazy expectations and they can be upset. Maybe, maybe the student's not good. Maybe the, the educator wasn't right. good. Who knows? Maybe they, they're just a pissed off customer, right? But I would put out those fires and work with that as well. And so I got to learn all this stuff, man. It was it was a really great experience. You know, I did that till, from 2006 till, oh man, 2013. Hanzo came into my school as a guest artist. That's how I got hooked up with them. I could tell you about that. Uh, yeah. It's I mean, now I, me. It's amazing to the, me just kind of like, like how humble you've been through all this, because I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to experience this through like my walk, you know, and I'm like, I don't know if I could go back to school and like, just kind of humble myself to be like, cause they would have told me 300 hours and I'd have been like, I'll wait for my clearance. You know, like, I, I, I don't, I, yeah. I just don't, I don't, I, I definitely, you know, as I'm thinking about it again through my walk, there's just no way I would have done it. Yeah. But I, but when something's it's inside you that that's been there since you were 14 years old, you know what I mean? I, I, barbering, you know, even through the Navy, and it's just something that's in his soul. So when he saw the opportunity to, that's what he's right. going to be able to be. I, 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 hats off, brothers, kudos, because you know to be able to humble yourself and pursue what you love and get it done is. is it seems like, it seems like every time Roy turned, 
a set of clippers were set in his hand, right? Like he right, couldn't yeah. escape the clippers. Like no matter where he went, there's the clippers again. It, it was crazy. I couldn't get away from it. You know, I worked other jobs. You know, I, like I said, I was in the military. I, I actually um, drove forklifts. I loaded trucks, did all these kind of different jobs. And I did tattoo work for a long time. And, and again, at one point, there was two points that I can refer to that I, I had to ask myself a question. Am I a barber or am I a tattoo artist? That was one. Okay. Because I was doing both. And I said, well, to be a tattoo artist, you got to be a 100% in that. You can't just half step tattooing. You're taking somebody's, you know, skin and, and you're giving them artwork. You have to be a hundred percent focused on that. So I stepped back from tattooing. And I said, I'm going to be a barber. I'm going to focus on that. It's been with me this whole time. I want to keep doing that. And I, and I've pursued that. Right. Then it happened a second time where I said to myself, am I a barber or am I an educator? Because there's a difference. What am I going to focus more on? What, what, what's more valuable? What, what can I do better? What can I, what can I share? What, what, what more value do I bring in each? Well, where's the value? And so I decided, my wife, I asked her, I said, I asked her quick and I asked her to respond immediately without hesitation. I said, am I a barber or am I an educator? She goes, educator. She didn't even have to think. She was like, my wife, Dina was like, you're an educator. And I looked at the amount of barbers that there are out there. And I looked at the amount of educators for, for that there are out there. And I said to myself, okay, it's not only is it not even close in comparison, I have to do this. I have to, to, to do that because it's not something that everybody can do. It's not something that everybody wants to do. And it's not something that's easily done. I felt once again, I had to focus on that. So I shifted gears a couple of times in my, in my life. Uh, because whatever I focus on, I want to make sure that I do the best at that and I'm able to, to bring value. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. Whenever you're doing something, you know, they say that people are motivated from, from two, two main motivators. You're motivated from either fear or you're motivated out of desire, you know? And so I, if I don't have either one of those influencing me, Meaning I already am set. I'm married. I have my house. I have my business. I'm already set with everything. So what's my motivation then? My motivation is the value that I bring. How, how much value can I deliver? If somebody pays me to teach, if they sign up to my site or they pay me to cut their hair, how much value are they receiving? How much value do I give them? And, and I think that's, that's the older, wiser Rory talking you know, versus the younger, you know, school, you know, beauty school student or younger barber that didn't understand these things, didn't understand customer service, didn't understand schedule, you know, didn't understand product knowledge, tools, focus, things like that. Wow. You mentioned it. Did you meet your wife in Jersey or did you meet her here in Virginia? She's, she's a Virginia girl. I met her in Virginia. She's actually, I met her at Paul Mitchell. She was a Paul Mitchell educator. She was a Paul Mitchell graduate. She was a Paul Mitchell educator. Uh, she tried hooking me up with one of her friends and uh, her friend got really drunk and I never got to meet her. And I ended up falling in love with my wife. I ended up marrying her and it was like this whole thing. Now we have our own Fade of Dream Studios where she has her salon side. I got a thick patio door that I can slide over and disconnect her salon side from my barber studio. And I could still see her, but I got the soundproof, you know, I, I can seal that off if I'm doing some, if I'm recording a podcast or if I'm, you know, doing a video for Instagram or whatever, or for my site, uh, for there's conversations that are getting too crazy over there and reckless on the lady side, on the salon side, I can seal that off. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. Then we have our education room, which is across the hall, uh, which, you know, we can seat about 75 to a hundred. I want you guys to come down and check it out. No, no. I, I was uh, like, you just took the words right out of my mouth. I'm like, dude, we gotta get down there, man. <laughs> That's the faded dream team right That's there. That's the faded dream team. That's it, so, man. So my, my wife, Dina's uh, Dare to Dream, and I'm Faded Inc. So together we're Faded Dream, Faded Dream Love Studios. It. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly one of those uh, people that I'm not motivated by anything other than what I want to do. And so for me, it's like, yeah. I, I like to hang with cool people. I like to choose to do cool things. My wife does her own thing. We're independent. We're private. You walk outside our building, you wouldn't even know we're there. You know, it's not like in a brick and mortar storefront next to a Starbucks where, you know, we're waiting on walk-ins. It's a private studio. People that come in there, there are our people. We know them. 
you know, they might be referred through somebody we know. And, you know, it's very, and the reason why I say all that guys is I've worked in the busy places. I've worked with 10 chairs. I've worked with 30 chairs, you know, in the Paul Mitchell school world, there's in Tyson's corner, there's 57 chairs, 57 chairs in the, in the clinic and another 10 in phase two. Right. So there's a lot going on chaotic. I like, I like it more tranquil. I like it more private. I like less distractions as busy as my barber museum is a lot of stuff on the wall. It's there's less distractions when it comes to, you know, flat screen TVs with sports going on and, you know, five other barbers arguing over who's the best rapper in the Wu-Tang clan and, you know, or whatever, you know, Redskins, Cowboys, you know, whatever it is, right. I'm focused, I'm focused on my client. I'm bringing them value. I, I'm, it's their time. Right. So I'm, I'm taking care of, I'm listening to what they got to say. You know, I'm doing those thorough consultations, um, but it's sealed off. So that's their time. It's sacred. You know, I talk about the, the, the booking times and things like that. Uh, it's a sacred time you know, for that person, that's the value that I give. Right. It's part of it. Just, uh, I want to touch on this a little bit. Cause you, you know, another thing that you brought up, you know, when you said this is going way back from the beginning, you said, you know, I'm the artist. So I took the Clippers and then, uh, you know, then you mentioned that you were a tattoo artist, uh, you know, and then you chose between. So do you still dabble in, in, in the art side of it? Like, you, I mean, have you been a drawer, painter? I mean, yeah, I've always drawn in, in books. I've always done cartoons and comic books and graffiti. I've always been, you know, fascinated by that. I've, I used to use spray paint cans and hit, and hit walls. I used to have a black book filled with graph. I, I even most recent, I've done a portrait of my daughter in pencil. The most recent thing that I've done was actually Wolverine. I did a bunch of like Wolverine, uh, you know, uh, comic book uh like poses and and picture imagery of him that I liked. And I put that all together and I did that with like, you know, pen and color and stuff Uh, from time to time. I'm, I'm one of those weird dudes. I used to, I got heavy into Lego for a while. I was buying a bunch of Lego. Now my big thing is basketball trading cards. You know, I'm into, I'm into that now. Uh, You know, I did, I did during quarantine shutdown, I did 10,000 pieces of jigsaw puzzle in different, you know, and I glued them and framed them. And I, I'm, I'm crazy. I did my patio. I'm crazy, man. Like I go into, uh, I get, my wife thinks I'm nuts because I get hyper-focused on things. And then I just, I do it until I can't do it anymore, you know, and I complete it, you know, and then I, yeah. and then I figure out something else to do, another project, you know, I, another I, hobby. I, I totally get that. I mean, it's not, I, I'm not the art with that, but I certainly, I can go project to project to project in my yeah. head and drive people crazy about it too. Um, like I know yeah. Tony, like he's, He's building an outdoor kitchen right now, so uh, that's been his focus. And uh, until that's gets- awesome, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. I wanna, I wanna just ask you guys real quick. Um, how did you guys actually start doing this? Like, what, what brought you two together? And 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 you know, how many, how many artists or you know, people, guests you featured so far already? We met in high school. Yeah, we've been friends since high school. So yeah. we went to we went to high school together, and then I went into the military. And then when I got out of the military, I wanted to start hair school. And uh, Tony was just kind of hanging out at that point. I go, "Hey, man, I'm going to go to hair school. Do you want to go?" And Tony, being Tony, he's like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." So, <laughs> I mean, we started at Graham Webb, and then we kidnapped another friend of ours. So it was the three of us that went in. And our story is very similar to yours. I mean, you know, we were three dudes, and there was 200 women, and you know, people were you know goofing on us and stuff, and I didn't tell anybody. I just kept it in the back of my head, like, yeah, you can go to car mechanic school and, you know, be with 200 <laughs> dudes, but I'm going to sit over here, you know, and, 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 and chat up the ladies. Um, dude, we, we, we're like, we didn't take school seriously. You know, we didn't take advantage of all the opportunity, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, because Trevor Sorby was at the school and stuff like that, because, wow. you know, Graham Webb is a, is a British school, and but we would, like, at lunch break, because we, we had an apartment across the street, so at lunch break, we would start throwing a pool party and all the instructors, everybody would come and they'll get a little tipsy. And so they, we used to have these little stamps, right? So when they get all tipsy and everybody's in the pool, I would grab the stamps. And so me, Corey, and our other boy, T, I would stamp all of our books. So, you know what I mean? So I don't think we've ever did a perm rod or a perm Which, you know, it was kind of cool going through like that. But then at the end of it, like, man, I don't know nothing. Yeah. You know, so you try to get into the industry. It's like, oh, man, I suck. 
So I, I need to go apprentice. And so, you know, that's what I did. I went apprentice for two years, but yeah, but it, it was a wild time. So, so yeah, so then we've been friends forever and then we started hair school together and then we started working together and then yada, yada, yada. Long story short is that um, I've always been a fan of, of the industry and the people in the industry, you know, um, and yeah. when I approached Tony um, about doing the podcast, I was just like, bro, I want to be like the Jimmy Fallon. I want to introduce the industry to the start. And I mean, thank, thank goodness for like Instagram where people started to become stars, right? Like, like our, our industry, yeah. people start to become stars. And I was like, I want to be the Jimmy Fallon. And I just want to introduce, you know, the industry to these great people. And, and Tony said, yeah, that's all cool and all, but if we don't bring soul, then there's nothing there. So, you know, as soon as Tony yeah. was like, you know, we've got to bring the value and, and what is that value of that, um, that changed how we did the podcast, how we started the podcast. Cause me, I just wanted to talk to people and, you know, do that. And he was like, no, nah, let's do it with a little soul. And I was like, you know, you're 100% right. That's, that's the right approach. And, and that changed everything for the podcast. So that's kind of, that's kind of how we started it. And, and, you know, we started to book our guests because like, okay, what do they have to offer? You know, wh what's their journey been? So, I mean, that's kind of how we did it. I mean, it wasn't, you know, aside from, from, from that, that's just kind of why, why and how we did it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. And now how many episodes have you had already? What's the, you, what's just, the count? We're right around 250. I mean, we've been very, wow. very, uh, we've been very blessed with, uh, with the guests that we have. Like, like Tony said, I mean, like, you know, it was like our, I don't know, it was like our 10th episode or something. We're talking to Trevor Sorby. I mean, Trevor, you need to understand like Trevor Sorby to us, especially coming up in Graham Webb and working for Red, yeah. British guy, um, you know, Trevor Sorby was our Vidal Sassoon. You know, we're like a half a generation yeah. past Vidal Sassoon. So Trevor Sorby was that guy. And we've had the opportunity to, to I took a class with him and he came into the, uh, into the hair school and stuff. But to sit down and talk to him for an hour was like blowing us away. Like it was just. Yeah, know, we were invited to go to his 70th birthday party. Um, last October, right? Yeah, last October. We couldn't make it. But uh, we're like, man. We're like, That's crazy. You know, we missed an opportunity. Yeah. But it. You know, it, but it's funny because sort of like you, you know, uh, we talked to Vivian and then, yeah, then being McKinder. She goes, oh, I, I can connect you with Trevor or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or Ruth Rose. So people, you know, put a word in for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right now we're waiting. For, hopefully we can get Paul DeGiorio, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, JP? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love to get JP on because, the Because uh, we had, uh, you know, when, when Claymore. Yeah. So he sent, you know, he's making a connection there and. I mean, don't give away all of our secrets, man. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, it's just people, it's people in the industry being uh, taking care of people in the industry, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. I, I, I want to say something to you guys. I think it's it's unique what you're doing, it, it, but it's also the same thing. Like, uh, when you cut someone's hair, right, you – there's you you're listening to them they're listening to you you know and you see them sometimes more than your own family right when you have someone on your show and you're talking to them you're getting to hear their stories you're getting to bounce off of that you're getting to hear all these you know different things and different it's very very fascinating all the different things that you you hear and and people the people that you meet right i always say there's two types of people you have people that are money rich where they have a lot of money in the bank and then you have people that are people rich where they know everybody, you know, they're like the mafia. They got a guy for everybody. Right? <laughs> and I, I feel like being and, and the barber is that guy. He, he's the mafia because think about all the different industries and people that sit in his chair, right? Just the one chair. Imagine you have a shop. You pretty much have everything you need coming in and out of that shop daily when it comes to people and those people love you. And those people want to take care of you. It's the same with your show. You have these guests on your show. The guests love being featured on your show. They love listening to other guests that are featured on your show. There's value all over the place, right? So I think it's cool, man. And, you know, I, I, uh, I may not have all the zeros in the bank account yet, you know, but I definitely right. have them in the people. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. I would agree with you there. I mean, that's, that's actually a great uh, way to look at it, you know, like, there is no doubt that this industry has been incredible to us. And, and, you know, we are very, uh, uh people rich, you know, like we still work behind the chair three, four days a week, you know, that's, we work see, four days behind. I love that. I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm so happy you said that. Cause I didn't know that. I didn't know you guys yeah. were still actually cutting and getting your hands dirty. Yeah. Oh, heck Bethesda. Yeah. Yeah, Bethesda, yeah. Maryland. Maryland. That's, 
What's the name of the, the shop? Uh, Symmetry Salon Studios in uh, in Bethesda, okay. Bethesda, Maryland. Nice. And nice. I'm on a little suite. And, and, and like, yeah, you know, our clients, uh, we just just like you were saying, you know, our lawyer is a, my client. You know what I mean? So anything we had to do, I'll send it to him. He reviews it. He'll send it back or he'll create whatever. You know, it, you're right. It, our clients, they, they take care of us a lot. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. You know, it's uh yeah, and our, our our lawyer's a pit bull, so don't try to don't don't try to do nothing. Yeah, <laughs> they'll come and get you. <laughs> Not just playing, Rory. That's awesome, dude. So um, so uh, you have a website and stuff. Yeah, so you know, I would travel. I did a lot of classes with Paul Mitchell. I would travel. I did a lot of classes with Hanzo. I still do um, independent education as well. You know, different shows and whatnot. And at the end of my classes. I would always get the same questions, you know, when's the next class or how can we get more? So I started FadedDreamStudios.com and I didn't have many videos. Now we have over a hundred videos. And so what the cool thing about the site was is, and somebody would ask me, when's the next class? I was like, well, why don't you check out the site? You know, a lot of the things that I'm saying in these classes is on the site. You can see, you know, different types of hair. Uh, You can sit there whenever you want and watch it as many times as you want. It's there. And so the cool thing about the site that I thought was different and what I wanted to make a point was, was like, when you watch a haircutting video on YouTube, or if you watch somebody doing a haircutting video on a website or, or even on a, on a professional site, actually, you have to watch the whole entire haircut from beginning to end. There's no breaks or breakdowns with my site. It's based on the tool and technique. So you can, you can go on there and you see the haircut library and you'll see seven different videos of the one guy, but it's broken down by, okay, this part we're doing, you know, basic shape. We're doing uh, clipper work. We're doing, you know, shear work, shear over comb, layering, razor, whatever it is, it's listed. So you can pick and choose what you want to focus on. You don't have to watch the full, you don't have to watch the full haircut. You can just pick, okay, you know what? I'm a salon stylist. I'm, very freaked out about using clippers and short hair. Maybe I watch the clipper, uh, you know, lessons. Maybe I'm a barber that doesn't have a lot of experience with shears. Maybe I watch all the shear work because I'm really good with clippers. I don't really need that. And so they can pick and choose what they want to watch. It's more streamlined and it's, it's on different types of hair, different lengths, different male and female. So I feel like it's not a small, you know, uh, one focus library it's really you can really pick. really really smart it's like i, and I it's, dig that a lot you know yeah, that's dude, brilliant. yeah it's, it really there's a ton, there's a ton of value there you can watch it at your own pace as much as you want it's affordable you know if you if you want to get on there and dip your toe in there and check it out it's a dollar you know right. uh for and then you know it's 9.99 a month 99 dollars if you do a whole year and you have access to over 100 videos i'm constantly you know, I have tons of footage, so I'm always working on putting out you know, quality. Right, I, it, it's a, that's a really interesting something that you brought up, or, or something that went on me that popped off in my head is like, just start your library, right? Like, what's the old what's the old Chinese proverb? When's the best to uh, plant a tree? You know, that was like 20 years ago. When's the second best time today? Right? Like, like yeah. There's so many people that get caught up, and 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 I don't mean so many people as a broad thing, but you know, people come to us and like. You know, they're they're they have anxiety about having enough content, but just start your content library, right? Yeah. You can always remove it later, right? Just start your content library and and do it. Yeah, I I like it was probably maybe when I launched the website, it was too soon because I didn't have a lot of content. But right. now I'm starting to see it take off. I have so many people that are you know loving the website that are signing up daily. You know, I I got you know. It was crazy. We were in so ninety over ninety different countries. You know, people are using Google Translate to to watch the videos in other countries. People in China are watching my videos. It's pretty That's cool. Right. You know, we have the internet, right? We have the power to reach out and connect with each other. And uh, that's one thing. Today, after this class, after this podcast, I have to do a hands-on cutting class at my studio. I have a, a salon that I've been working with for a long time sending some of their junior people out and some of their senior people out to do hands-on men's cutting. Cause that's not something they get a lot of focus on. So I, I have hands-on cutting class today 
at Faded Dream Studios uh, with some uh, from a salon named Jenny's out in Percival, right. sending their team out uh, in my in my larger space because that room is a multi-purpose room. We have a stage. We can seat about 75 to 100 people if you guys ever want to host an event or something there. I have flat screens and surround sound there. I have a shampoo sink and a, and a slop sink, like a color sink uh, there. I have a couple restrooms there. We have a whole second floor facility. It's pretty cool. Uh, my office is there. So, you know, with that being said, you know, I think I get the question a lot about what's how, how do people become educators? Or how do, how do people become platform artists? I get that question a lot. And I think what it boils down to is anything you do, any career you choose, even this podcast, it takes practice, it takes dedication. You know, it, it's not overnight. It's not as instant as people think. And it's not as glamorous as people think. You know, there's going to be things that you don't want to do or things that are, that are annoying. Um, but again, People want things, but they don't want things. Somebody said to me the other day, they were like, when you own your own business, because I'm an owner, when you own your own business, the business owns you. Yep. And it's yep. very true. Very, very true. It is true. You know, you know it, 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 the very first conversation or one of the very first conversations that Tony and I had about the podcast was exactly that. Like, listen, we have nothing to lose. So, you know, what is failure? Right. So we just we knew we would make mistakes. We knew that we'd make tons of them. I mean, how would we not make mistakes? We're hairdressers. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're quote unquote broadcasters, you know, who've never, we've never, ever done it. You know, so we right. knew that we'd make, we knew that we'd make uh, lots and lots of mistakes, but, but we welcome that, right? Because that was the, we knew that that was the only way that we were going to learn anything. And, you know, we make more mistakes now than we did when we were earlier, because now we know we're making mistakes sometimes right. earlier. And you don't even know you're making mistakes. Like, like when you have a conversation with Ben Sassoon, you can't even recognize the dude is the greatest hairdresser. Just don't quit. Lived. Just don't quit. That's it. Yeah. Don't, don't, this, don't yeah. let it break you down. Well, that's the thing too. Like when you when you say mistakes, we made a lot of mistakes. You guys made discoveries. You know, you made the, and that's what they say in Paul Mitchell world. You did, you made discoveries because you use yeah. those to grow from, right? I, I had to go through all the things in, in my life to to value what I have now and pass that on to my kids, right? Uh, when you when you want something, when you want to, you have a goal, you want to achieve something, right? There's there's a, a, a line of thought that happens that it's like, how do I achieve that? How do I get there? And one wise person said, you know, there's nothing slower than quitting. Right. Even if you're not going super fast towards your goal, you know, you're working towards it. It may not be as fast as you want it, but nothing slower than stopping, nothing slower than quitting. And I agree with that. You know, I think even just me being on this this show with you is an example of that. Because I could have done so many different things in my career, but now I get to hang out and talk to you guys because I, I'm focused on my career. I'm focused on my industry. You know, I, I like connecting with people in general. Um, I love that. Uh, add us to your people list. Yeah, yeah exactly. We are people. <laughs> we are people. And we're local. Yeah. So I'm sure there'll be, oppor- there'll be opportunities to. Yeah, we're to definitely going to come and uh, check out. Your yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about Any, that. Anytime you guys are more than welcome. You're right there. It, you know, we can we can make something happen for sure. That's awesome. Rory, dude, thank you so much, man. Um, you know, you're uh you've seen it all, you've been, you you've 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 drudged through it, right? I mean, he just like I, I like the idea that no matter where he turned, he ended up with flippers in his hands, right? Like that was yeah. it. It, it 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 was your destiny. It was you didn't have it. You tried to leave it a few times, it something nope. always brought you back. So nope. Nope. <laughs> Um, so once again, it's fadeddreams.com is is the website and, and faded ink is the Instagram handle, correct? Yeah. Yeah. The best way, uh, honestly, if anybody wants to, to sign up to the site, fadeddreamstudios.com, they can go to my Instagram at faded ink. The link is in my bio. I'm always putting things up there. There's a promo code that they can use called home 20, you know, like you stay home 2020 home 20 is the promo code. Uh, for $1, you can get access, check it out. Let me know what you think. Ton of content there Perfect. easily. I always extend this to everyone, you know, reach out to me and message me. I'll get back to you. Uh, very few people take me up on the offer, but I always extend it. So I, you know, if somebody, <laughs> if, if some people want it, you know, they want to get a class or they want to figure out how to host a class or, 
or they just want to ask me questions about their tools or if they're proud of something that they did, whatever the case, I'm here. Dude. Rory Savajan. Thank you very much for joining Thank us you. on your day off. Appreciate it. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. Peace and hair grease.